Digital. Student-centered. Creative. Innovation. Imagination. Initiative. Stories that matter. I'm Chia Dachi, and this is Tales of Teaching Online, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Tales of Teaching Online. Today, I'm joined by senior lecturer Kelly Nicola Richmond. Uh, she's Associate Head of School Teaching and Learning from the School of Health and Social Development at Deakin University. And she's recently led a university-wide learning and teaching project called Reimagining Exam, which has just completed. And I'm so excited to be able to talk to Kelly about this hot topic today. So welcome, Kelly. Thanks, Tia. It's great to be here. Thank you. So to get us started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and just to get a sense of who you are as a scholar, as a person, and the kind of work that you do at Deakin? Absolutely. Um, so my undergrad was in physiotherapy and I worked in, in physiotherapy and clinically for about 12 years. So um, it took me a while to get to the university world. Um, I, but I always had a strong interest in education. So um, I worked in sports physio for a short period of time, but then moved across to the disability sector and fairly quickly ended up in sort of a senior advisory sort of education role for the physiotherapists at that agency. I arrived at Deakin in 2012 and I joined the occupational therapy program. Um, so although I'm not an occupational therapist, um, uh, I ended up in that team and I've continued to work in that team um, and really quite quickly established my interest in teaching and learning once I arrived at Deakin. I didn't have a PhD. Most health clinicians tend not to get one unless they end up in higher education. And I started my PhD quite quickly at the end of my first year at Deakin. And, and chose to do that PhD in teaching and learning. And that at the time was a fairly pragmatic choice because I wanted my PhD to be more than about just about getting the qualification. I wanted it to also improve the way I worked. And at that point, although I was undertaking research, I was very much a teaching and learning focused academic. Um, and I guess uh, as uh, throughout those first couple of years, what really sort of cemented for me was that core to everything that I do, whether it's service research or teaching, and that continues to, to this day, is that my, my driver is about high quality education that enables our graduates to be high quality health practitioners. Um, I've had a history of fairly significant illness at one stage in my life, and that even that, that was during my time at Deakin, and that cemented even more for me that high quality healthcare is just fundamental to everything else that we do. Um, more recently, I've moved beyond that sort of, um, I guess, OT focused, teaching and learning focused area to become the associate head of school teaching and learning, as you mentioned. Um, and, and to think about teaching and learning quality and work readiness more broadly beyond health. Um, and I've also led three Deakin-wide uh, projects. So one is reimagining exams that we're talking about today. I'm currently working on or leading the re uh, review of assessment policy, uh, policy and procedure across Deakin. 
Um, and prior to reimagining exams, I was the academic lead on an online exams project that was a Deacon White project that commenced prior to COVID and ran for two or three years. So we were sort of already looking at this space before COVID came along. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that beautifully rich background that you bring to this work at Deakin and we're very lucky to have someone like you who is so committed and passionate and knowledgeable about everything to do with learning and teaching and I can hear your focus is kind of coming together around assessment and so this project that we talk about is really really timely. So you've read you've led this university-wide strategic learning and teaching project which was really huge it took over a year and across the community at Deakin to, to do this work. Could, could you tell us the background of this project? So what the aim was, its scope, and why this was important for Deakin? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the project was originally envisaged by our Pro Vice-Chancellor Teaching and Learning, Helen Partridge, and our Deputy Vice-Chancellor Education, Liz Johnson. And basically, um, you know, as we all know, in 2020, COVID had come along and like every other university, Deakin had to adjust. And probably, you know, almost more than in any other area, uh, that adjustment needed to happen around assessment. Uh, in 2019, Deakin had run more than 200,000 on-campus, typically closed book exam sittings, and then all of a sudden that couldn't happen anymore. Um, and that obviously created a challenge for the university that we adapted to. By 2021, we were still dealing with the effects of COVID, but things were starting to settle down. Um, and, and I think Helen and Liz really envisaged that rather than going back to what we'd always done, there was an opportunity here that COVID had presented to, to have a good look at what how we'd shifted in response to COVID and what we'd learned from that and to capitalise on that shift and look at how we could be innovative, particularly in that end of, end of trimester exam space. Um, rather than going back to what we'd always done before, which probably would have been easier, <laughs> I mean, in a lot of ways. Um, and and I, th I think that, that, that you know, uh, that enthusiasm and drive that Helen and Liz have for innovation in teaching and learning and Deacon's really strong valuing of teaching and learning really underpinned that work. So the, the aim of the project was to, transform Deakin's approach to assessment by reimagining that end of trimester exam period and the role of exams in particular within that. And what we were aiming for was an assessment approach or an end of, end of trimester exam approach that was more authentic and engaging and inclusive for students, that would improve student satisfaction and success, that would help students' assessment literacy and that would also help build staff's capacity to design authentic assessment. Um, so it was quite ambitious, um, but, but, but something that everyone was really committed to. And the project, uh, you know, had really started from the ground up. So we consulted with, you know, uh, 
more than four or 500 staff and a large number of students to get their input about how we might do things better or do things differently. And the project, I think, was important for a number of reasons. It, it was important because we had this large number of exams and we, we know that the research evidence, we know from experience that exams aren't always inclusive for students. We know that they aren't necessarily always the most effective way to assess. It was important because we had this window of opportunity to change practice. And if we'd just gone back to doing what we'd always done, we, we may have missed the boat on that. Um, yeah, and because it's important because Deacon values teaching and learning um, and we want to continue to keep innovating and leading in that space. Mm. And there is that good old saying of assessment drives learning, mm-hmm. but in particular, exam yeah. has that high stake positioning of it all. And so I think this project was such a critical piece to thinking about our teaching and practice, but in particular assessment design and practice. And so congratulations in leading this. And I hear that the outcome so far has been a really successful one. So if we can talk about the key insights that have emerged through this project and particularly your engagement with the community and the literature and all of these thinking of repositioning and reimagining exam what are the key insights that you could share out of this project um look so I I guess one of the outcomes of of this project has been that Deakin now has a significant significantly less closed book exams significantly less proctored exams um and and I think you, you know there's there's good literature underpinning that that um around you know more applied questions you think about something like bloom's taxonomy and and what what our academics have done as a result of this shift is that they've written questions that might sit higher in bloom's taxonomy around the more apply application based questions um uh, I think that we're on the start at the start of a long journey. So whilst we've made those changes, um, staff were by and large very supportive of the changes. They wanted to assess more authentically. They wanted to assess differently. Lots of people have been really innovative in making change. Um, uh, but but there are challenges. So there's challenges around the systems that we use, and that's true, I suspect, of every university. What our technolo- technology systems can offer, uh, the way our processes at the university work. There's challenges around workload as well for stuff. You know, the, the auto-marked um, on-campus paper-based exam um, is, is, is very limited in cost. Um, depending on on what your view is of how long it takes to write quality exam questions. Um, And and our view would be that writing quality, particularly multiple choice questions, is is a skill and it it, it takes time. Um, But, yeah, there's some... I think this is a start of a long journey, um, but, but it's a good start to make and we've already made some great gains. I think one of the things that, that jumps out to me is that it's really important um, that we don't just move exams that were invigilated and closed book 
to the online environment and uninvigilated and not work on the quality of the questions and mm-hmm. not look at how we assess differently in that environment, um, you, you know, it, it's easy to to just make that shift and say, oh, look, we've got less exams, aren't we clever? But what we actually need to continue to do, and we're already well on the way, but there's more work to do, is to make sure that those alternative assessments are actually more authentic, are actually more more inclusive, and that they are assessing the learning outcomes that the unit is designed to deliver to students. And that's a really great uh, comprehensive summary, Kelly, of the kind of key findings that you had from this project. And it's actually encouraging to really hear that the closed book exams is reducing with the view that authentic assessment is really flourishing at Deakin University. And I think that's one of the trends that people are seeing across the sector too now. And just to build on that conversation about authentic assessment design and practice, the idea of programmatic assessment and course-wide approach in doing this kind of work, what sort of views do you or might you hold in this? And then you might be able to talk about the kind of things that people are talking about doing in practice or the kind of thing that you you have come to uh, understand from the literature and so forth. Um, In my view, and look really that the feedback that we collected was almost universal that there was a strong support for a program level or programmatic approach to assessment and and it's important to to point out I guess here too that there was a whole lot of other work that had was already happening at Deakin prior to this project that fed into the project this wasn't something new and a, a, quite a bit of that work had been around programmatic assessment um and, and in my view, that is the way forward. Um, I, I, I think it, it's a challenging way forward. There's lots of support for it. But, but I think what we know when we look at the literature, when we look at the couple, you know, we've got three or four places in Deakin where there's been um, programmatic assessment has been implemented. It takes time. And it takes a team approach and that isn't always easy, particularly at the moment when a lot of us are spending some of our week at home still as an advent of COVID um, and it needs resourcing. And I think, you know, I'm I'm sure we're not alone as a university of thinking about, yeah, we really want to do this, but then it's about how do we do it without, you know, how do we do it without bucket loads of resources to do it with? How can we do it in a stepwise approach that fits with, you know, to people's time, people's budgets, et cetera? I do think that if we invest in programmatic assessment, it will allay a lot of the concerns that people had about the loss of or the reduction in proctored exams because you're not just assessing a student and knowing that the student actually is who they say they are in this one instance, in this one unit, you're actually progressively assessing them across a whole course offering. So you can be much more confident that they've gained the knowledge and skills and capabilities that you expect them to get through a course. I think too that the other element that pops up here is that our students are still being assessed in secondary school with this this history. They come with a history of exams and some of them hate them and some of them love them. Um, so there's, there's it's, it's, I guess it's 
the way forward is multifaceted um, and, and complex. I think it's really easy. And, you know, at the start of the project, there were people who said we shouldn't have any exams. It's really easy to take a dichotomous view in this setting, whereas probably the, the way forward is much more nuanced and much more complex and in the middle. Um, and, you know, there are places where exams are authentic, you know. Yeah. Um, there are places where, you know, I, I use the example of a paramedic. A paramedic doesn't have the time to not have a whole lot of knowledge memorised. Mm. Now, exams might not be the best way to test memorisation, but what other way do we have that's, you know, cost effective and implementable to try and encourage that memorization of the really basic stuff, like what someone's blood should, blood um, pressure should be, or what, you know, number of heartbeats, those sorts of things that they might need on the ball and may not have the capacity to ask a colleague about or to Google or to, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, and on the practical note, the one of the reasons, key reasons why exam happens is because of those accrediting bodies requirements. Mm -hmm. they, the industry actually requires us to do the exam and recognised as one of the key ways to assess. And so if you talk about the programmatic assessment approach, then yes, it is really a big body of work to bring the team together to discuss this, but really talk about the why and how exam needs to happen in that degree course and at mm. that program level, that conversation itself is really uh, useful and fruitful. And so that's a really good recommendation too. So now in terms of the next steps, um, Kelly, now that you've done this big piece of work, where are we heading? Where to next? Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, the project finished recently. So I was on, I was involved or led led the reimagining exams project for about eight months, um, and that's always nerve nerve wracking as a as someone who's delivering a project and then stepping away because there's always that risk that things just get left and nothing actually progresses. And thankfully that is far from the case in this case. So there's an end of unit assessment working group that's been set up and that working group, we um, out of the reimagining exams project came 20 odd recommendations and that working group is looking at those. Some of them will be addressed a bit longer. Um, it, it's obviously a big piece of work um, but something that Deacon's really committed to and the fact that we've got, um, we've also got some um, staff appointed around imp implementation um, and leadership happening at sort of the central university level about implementing the recommendations. Um, and it's great to see that some of those have already been implemented for T1. So that's, that's terrific. Um, there's a really, you know, there's plenty of work to be done, but it's quite an exciting path that we're on, I think. Um, and I think in relation to accrediting bodies, um, it's important that we obviously meet the expectations of accrediting bodies, um, but we also want to sort of work with them to perhaps change the view of exams as we go. But, um, you know, through lots of conversations with different um, sort of senior staff who deal with accrediting bodies, I think we have to acknowledge that that's a very fine line than we work, we walk. And, you know, um, the, the reputation 
of our courses um, depends on that and really the existence of our courses. So I think there's lots of good work to be done with accrediting bodies and um, our academics are typically really good in at knowing how to approach that sort of maybe slow shift that we'd like to see. The other thing I think is that um, for me, if I think about exams and what you might replace them with that's better, um, in a lot of disciplines to me that's oral assessment or practical assessment or really applied assessment and that's often more complex to run or takes more time to run takes more time to mark so I, I do think that you know um, that maybe we need you know we need to invest more in you know in that assessment space at least in the short term while we shift um, there are absolutely great examples out there of people assessing very efficiently but very authentically. Um, but authenticity looks different in every discipline too. So there, there isn't one golden, you know, bullet that solves this for everyone. Excellent. And the other piece that you kind of mentioned in your intro about assessment policy and procedural review that's kind of related to this, not just the exam, of course, but it's kind of related to extension of assessment uh, work. Would you like to talk a little bit about that or? Yeah, so um, one of the challenges that we had through the reimagining exams project was that it was really bounded around end of trimester exams or end of trimester assessment. And people wanted to talk about more, which is understandable. When we think about assessment in our teaching and learning, we don't just think about it at that end point. We think about it across our whole unit or across our whole course. Um, and the, the assessment policy and procedure had been flagged for review at Deakin in 2019. There'd actually been really extensive work done, but then COVID hit. There was a whole lot of change that had to happen quickly in that space, and it was put on hold. Um, so so it seemed logical as we went through that that project that we needed to we needed to bring that back up to the table again and to finish the review, um, and that you know it fitted quite nice nicely with a lot of the feedback that we were getting. That really was feedback that was about more than the end of trimester period. Um, so that work commenced. Um, or I commenced on that project early this year. There's a team of people working on it. I'm the academic lead. And our goal is that by the middle of the year, we'll have a revised assessment procedure. And really um, the, the bit around end of unit assessment or, or exams, we're still working on writing. Um, but really what we're trying to do is to bring in some of those principles into our procedure. It's, it's an interesting process because you, you can't really have stuff that's aspirational in a procedure. What, what our academics need who are on the ground, you know, marking 300 assignments in 15 days or whatever it is, is really clear, you know, procedural steps, you know, around what to do if a student requests an extension, around what to do if a student submits late, those sorts of really concrete day-by-day -day things. Um, 
alongside the procedure, therefore, we're developing a strategy document. And that strategy document's where we want to see the aspirational stuff. So the stuff around, you know, authentic assessment, inclusive assessment, looking at a program level approach to assessment. So um, it's it's a really interesting piece of work. I've never rewritten or written a procedure before. Um, and the wordsmithing in and of itself is is quite challenging and interesting, but um, a really exciting and important piece to go with the work we've already done around reimagining exams. No, I can't agree more. It's this kind of nexus again between the practice and policy and research come together. And it's bringing all these things together to make things happen now on the ground based on all of the work that you have done um, past couple of years as well. So Congratulations once again and good luck in um, completing that piece of work as well for Deacon. So I have asked you all the questions that I had, Kelly. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. Is there any other final thoughts that you'd like to share? Um, no, I, I guess one final reflection, and that would be that I, I think that project and the assessment project has really benefited by just how collaborative they've been. You know, it's 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 important when you do this sort of work that you have the people on the ground who are doing the work day in, day out, you know, who might be running a unit that's got 1,300 students in it and losing a marker the day before marking starts, as well as the people who've got the research knowledge and that breadth and as well as the idealists who will never, you know, who are the people who might say, you know, assessment will never be inclusive enough, you know, um, and and a real mix of those those sorts of that sort of thinking and those sorts of people at the table. And I think that's this project's really benefited from that, um, and having, um, you know, uh, people who are who are continually teaching and who are living this day by day alongside people, you know, who have researched it for the last fifteen years and and know the literature along with people who know the university almost, you know, who know the systems at the university and how how we do things because all you need all three of those groups in order to create something that's usable and effective. Beautiful. And I think this project speaks volume itself about how collaborative and core design and creation process it has been and so once again it's kudos to you and the team project team who has done this kind of practice-led plus all of the collaboration and engagement with different types of um, people and literature and so thank you so much for sharing all of your insights you seem to have this capacity to make all of this complex and really big piece of work really sing and almost seamless and easy, but I know it's not easy. I know it's really layers of complexity involved in it. And so thank you for sharing all of this, Kelly. It's been a wonderful talk to you. Thanks so much, Chair. I appreciate your time. <laughs>